1: fear. Did you know that every one of us are born instinctively with certain fears, right? Fears like, okay, falling, or the dark, or snakes, or how about this, falling in a dark pit of snakes. That would be pretty bad, right? Right. And there was a survey done by um, Chapman University, asked Americans what were some of their top personal fears that they had. Here's what they came up with. Here's a list. Number one was speaking before a group. That's why comedian Jerry Feinfeld said that at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Another big fear is bugs and snakes. Number three is not having enough money. Number four is failure and rejection. Number five is illness and then death and then what happens after death, the unknown, right? Six is being alone. All of those are fears that Americans have on a regular basis. Fear is a universal thing that we all face. In fact, the National Medical Association says that there's over 500 legitimate phobias and fears. Now, because of that, do you know what the number one command in the Bible is? Think about this. I mean, okay, we think, okay, God probably commands us to love more or, or maybe worship more or maybe serve more. No, do you know what the number one command in the Bible is? Fear not. Fear not. 366 times in the bible you are commanded to fear not that means you have a fear not for every day of the year including leap year okay now why is it that god repeats that command over and over again because that's our natural tendency we have a fear to be anxious to worry and to fear and because of that we do not reach the potential that god really has for us in our lives And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Jesus and his encounter with the disciples in the upper room, and he's going to help them overcome their fear. Check it out. It's found in John chapter 20, beginning of verse 19. Look at what God's word says. On the evening of that day, this is the first Easter Sunday, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. See that word fear there? It's a Greek word there, phobio. We get the word phobia from that exact word. It means a debilitating, strangling fear that's keeping us from what we need to do. So what we need to do is we need to talk about fear today. And I want you to jot down several basic truths about fear. Ready? On your outline. Number one is this. First of all, the reality of fear. Right? Let's talk about the reality of fear. See, God has given us the emotion of fear. And it is a legitimate emotion that God has given us. Why? Because there are times whenever we are threatened and we are in danger, we need to feel some fear. And whenever you are threatened or you feel in danger, what happens? Suddenly this adrenaline is pumped into your bloodstream. And then what happens? Your heart starts beating faster, your eyes dilate, your muscles tense. Because there's a moment whenever you need to be afraid and you need to respond immediately. Most of you know I grew up in Florida on a farm. And early on on the farm, we encountered a lot of snakes, a lot of rattlesnakes, In fact, you see that picture there? There's a picture of me and my dad and my younger brother, and my dad is holding up a rattlesnake that's over six feet long, okay? So we encountered rattlesnakes early on a lot on our farm. There was one particular day, my sister and I, I was a teenager at the time, my sister was pregnant, we were just walking through a field, and we came upon a coiled rattlesnake ready to strike. I was in front, as soon as I saw that rattlesnake, I immediately jumped back. Knocked over my pregnant sister to the ground. Well, why did I do that? Because I was afraid. That's the bottom line. In fact, jot down this this basic principle or definition of fear. Jot this down. Fear comes when there's a potential danger to our well-being. Fear comes when there's this potential danger to our well-being. Well, that's what was happening with the disciples. Check it out. Look at it again in verse 19. What were they afraid of? Well, look at it. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. Why? For fear of the Jews. In your outline circle, fear of the Jews. That's talking about the religious leaders in that day. What were they afraid of? Were they afraid of dying? Right? I mean, think about it. Jesus, who was the most popular person in all of Israel at the time, You know, had thousands of followers, they had arrested him, they had him tortured, they had him crucified, and the disciples were like, if they could do that to Jesus, then they can obviously do that to us. And so they were hiding behind this door of fear. They were too afraid to even show their face out in public. Have you ever thought about the doors in your life that you're afraid to walk through? I mean, I think whenever I was in first grade was the very first time I was sent to the principal's office. And um, first time, okay? Uh, apparently, the teacher had said to me multiple occasions that day quit leaning back in your chair. Now, that was a bigger fraction in that day, all right? And so I leaned back in my chair. My teacher said, Tony, come here. And she wrote this note. You're going to the principal's office. She wrote the note and handed it to me. And so I start walking to the principal's office. Now, my older brother had informed me that at the principal's office, he had paddles hanging on his wall to spank the rear ends of rebellious children like me. And I was scared half to death. And, of course, I wanted to know because I couldn't remember what I had done wrong. And so I'm trying to read the note that my teacher had written to the principal and I'm trying to read it. I'm like, I wish I'd paid closer attention. I can't even read this thing. And so I was scared out to death. and And that, that principal's office, that door was a door of fear. I literally crossed through it with tears and fear. What's your door of fear? And we all have them. Maybe it's a doctor's office. Maybe you've run some tests and and the nurse calls you up and says, hey, you need to come in. The doctor wants to share the results. And you go, well, why don't you just tell me the results over the phone? No, uh, the doctor needs to do that in person. And suddenly the doctor's door becomes a door of fear. Or maybe it's your boss's office. I mean, you've heard that they're passing out pink slips and you think maybe you're the next one or maybe you lost that account and now, you know what? You've got to face your, your boss and that boss's door is a door of fear. For some of you, it may be the funeral home. Why? Because fear of death and the beyond, that's a big legitimate fear. What, what's going to happen with that? That's exactly what the disciples were facing disciples were afraid this is legitimate that they could die for their faith and being a follower of jesus christ but what i've observed is that a lot of fears and anxiety in our life are not legitimate fears in fact i love that quote from fdr president roosevelt during the great depression he basically got on the radio to calm the hysteria and panic that was going on in our nation because of the great depression and he said this i love this quote he said this quote let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Some of you live in fear. Some of you are parents and you live in fear. You're, you're sort of this, this hovering parent. You're this super protective, you know, helicopter parent. I can't let anything happen to little Johnny. I can't allow any harm to happen to my kid's life. And you live in constant fear because you're kids. For some of you, Your fear keeps you from something that maybe God wants you to do in the future. Well, uh, I can't teach, or or I can't make that phone call, or or you know what, I I can't accept that job. Why? Because I may fail. I may be rejected. And the fear keeps you from really doing what God's called you to do. And so how do you know if your fear is legitimate or not? I want you to ask yourself that question. You can see it on the outline. Is my fear legitimate? Is there some fear in your life that's keeping you behind a a, a locked door? What is it? Because what I've discovered is that there's two things that must be true in your life if a fear is legitimate. And if either one of these two things is missing, your fear is not legitimate. And so what is needed for a fear to be legitimate? Two things. Number one, first of all, for a fear to be legitimate, it must be really present. It must be really present. It must be there. Let's just say that I have this sudden fear of a terrorist attack. And I'm just overwhelmed with this fear that, you know what, there's some nut job out there, and we'd be a soft target, and you know they could come in here, they got a thousand Christians here, and, and shoot this place up. Okay, now, is that a possibility, a remote possibility? Yeah, there are nut jobs out there, right? But is that going to really legitimately happen? Is, is that real right now? No, of course not. I mean, most likely, I would die in a car wreck on the way home from church than I would in church. Right? That's just the reality. And besides that, we pay a lot of security and police officers to be around here to take out any nut job that would come and try to do that. Okay? That's a good thing. Right? But the, the fact is, is that because that's not present, that's not a legitimate fear. Right? It's not. It's not legitimate. It's not real. There's a second thing. Not only it must be present, but secondly, it must be really powerful. It must be powerful. That it must have the power that we really think that it has. Okay, let's go back to my situation where I knocked over my pregnant sister, Kathy. Right? Why? Because I was walking down and I see this rattlesnake coiled and poised to strike. I mean, literally, his little tail was rattling. We were two feet away. Okay? Okay? And so, he was present, but not only was he present, he was also powerful. You see, that rattlesnake has venom, and it had power, right? And so, because it was both present and powerful, that's why I reacted the way I did, and boom, knocked over my sister. But, let's just say that the snake that we encountered that day was this snake right here, this little green snake. Aww. Now, I, you know what? If you came upon that little green snake, your first reaction would be a little fear, right? You go, oh, snake, right? But then as soon as you realize, oh, this is just a little green snake. It doesn't have any venom. It doesn't have the power to harm me, right? Even though the snake is present, I should not have any fear because it has no power. Makes sense? For a fear to be legitimate, it must both have the presence and the power to harm you. The fact is, most of our fears do not. They don't. In fact, I love the way that Zig Ziglar um, describes fear with his acrostic. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. False evidence that appears real. That's what it means. Look at it. Look at this passage in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. See, why is it that we keep giving in to fear? I'll tell you why. We play the what-if game. Well, what if this happens? And every time we play the what-if games and this, this possible thing that may happen out there in the future, oh my goodness, what if this happens? We begin to respond with anxiety and fear. What if I fail? What, 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 what if I don't get any better physically? Well, what if they reject me? What if I never get married, you know? What if I don't have enough money whenever I retire? Well, what if somebody recognizes me at Dollar General, right? Whatever your fear may be. You go, okay, is that legitimate or not? Now, let me say this, okay? The disciples in the upper room, their fear was legitimate. But here's the amazing thing about the resurrected Christ. Even when your fear is legitimate, he can give you the power to overcome that fear. And so what I want you to see, I want you to move not just from this abstract, you know, here's fear, but I want you to jot this on your outline. The removal of fear. The removal of fear. How in the world are you going to move beyond your fears and anxieties in this life? Because let's be honest, most of us have been taught to be afraid and to be fearful. Think about it. The way you were raised. What what was the very last thing that your mom said to you every day before you headed off to school? What'd she say? she say, be careful, right? Be careful out there. It's a dangerous world. Be careful. Your, your mom probably didn't say, take risks today. Embrace danger, right? <laughs> she didn't say that to you. She said, be careful, see, because we're, we're taught to be afraid. The news media, they know this. I mean, you know, fear sells. And so, okay, you need to be afraid, You need to be afraid of the government. You need to be afraid of those in authority. You need to be afraid of your neighbor. You you need to be afraid of the food you eat. You need to be afraid of the economy. You need to be afraid of our health care. You need to live in fear, right? I mean, that's the way our society tells us. And yet, the resurrected Christ, even when there's things to be fearful of, helps us understand we don't have to be afraid in this world. Let me give you an example of this, the disciples themselves. I think one of the greatest evidences to the fact that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead, how do you know that? Because of the transformation that happened in the disciples. Think about it. These are men that are so fearful, they're locked behind, cowering behind locked doors. And yet, a few moments later, they're in the synagogue preaching Jesus is alive. Think about Peter. He's cowering in fear, denies he even knows Jesus three times to a little teenage girl. And yet, later on, he's taking on the very Sanhedrins, those that had condemned Jesus to death. How did that man experience that transformation? He met the resurrected Christ. That's the only explanation. And in fact, I want you to see this. It's amazing. You see this in Acts chapter 5. The disciples have been arrested now for the second time, brought before the Sanhedrin, and notice this encounter. Acts chapter 5, beginning verse 28. The religious leaders say to them, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? They won't even say the name Jesus. I told you not to teach in this name. Look at how Peter responds, verse 29. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than you people, right? Right? The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus. That's how they talk about the resurrection here. Whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. Verse 31. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler, that means he's Lord, and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. They saw the resurrected Christ and they were so bold, they were so courageous, they went outside those locked doors and they confronted those people that actually had Jesus Christ crucified. How in the world... Did they have that kind of courage to do that? There's only one reason. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Christ will help you overcome your fear as well. You go, how? Two simple truths. I want you to jot them down. First truth is this. You gotta hang on to. Jesus is present with you. Jesus is present with you. That whatever is causing you fear, Jesus is more real than that. Look at it in verse 19. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you in your outline circle stood among them that's his presence folks I love that scene because Jesus the resurrected Lord isn't on the outside of the door knocking going hey guys could y'all let me in I'm raised from the dead no Jesus is like beam me down boom I'm here What? Where'd you come from? Right? That's Jesus. You go, how do you do that? He's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants to do. Right? I mean, they were in this amazing fear and now they're in stark amazement and it created what? Peace. Listen, every time you understand the presence of Jesus, it brings peace. And so Jesus stood among them. What was the first words out of his mouth? He said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. The presence of Christ brings his peace. Now, what I love is that Jesus didn't say this. Jesus didn't say, be at peace. You know why that's important? Because if Jesus had said, be at peace, then it would be contingent upon us to be at peace. Okay, I've got to somehow gut up peace. I've got to make myself peaceful. Okay, Jesus is alive. I've got to be at peace. No, Jesus didn't say, it's on you to be at peace. No, Jesus said, I'm now among you, peace be on you. The presence of Christ brings peace. That's what happens. Think about it. Every time in the Bible, the presence of Christ comes, suddenly you got peace. Do you remember whenever the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee? Storm was raging, you know, the boat's about to go under. And what happens? Jesus comes walking on the water. The very thing that was causing them fear is under Jesus' feet. He's walking on the water, and then he says, peace be still. And the peace of Christ came. Whenever Jesus comes, he brings peace. Something that always happens whenever you have fear is you lose, you forget about the presence of Christ. Listen, if you're a Jesus Christ, his spirit, the very spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, now lives inside of you. That's the next verses. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. You now have the very presence of Jesus Christ with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible repeats that again and again. Look at this amazing promise. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says this. Be strong and courageous. That's the opposite of fear, isn't it? Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus has promised he's gonna be with you, folks. He's not gonna leave you. His final words is, lo, I am with you always. Whatever door of fear you're walking through, Jesus is gonna walk that door with you. He's gonna hold that hand with you. Whenever you walk through that door, guess what? The resurrected Christ is already there waiting for you. His presence is with us. And whenever you understand Christ's presence is here, it begins to remove fear. But there's a second thing. Not only remember the presence of Christ, jot this down. Jesus is more powerful. Jesus is more powerful. Jesus is more real. Jesus is more powerful than whatever you're afraid of, right? Now think about it. These disciples, they had legitimate fear. What were they afraid of? They're afraid of being tortured, and being crucified. And so, what does the resurrected Christ show them? Check it out. Look at verse 20. When he said this to them, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You go, why did Jesus show them his hands and his side? Because that's what they're afraid of. Boys, you're afraid of suffering? I've overcome suffering. You're afraid of death? I've overcome death. Look at this. Here I am. I'm alive. I'm not some ghost. I'm very much alive. And that reality changed them. Think about it. Those men in that upper room, almost every one of them gave their life by crucifixion. The very thing they were afraid of, they faced courageously one day. Why? Because they knew they didn't have to be afraid of that suffering and death because they saw the resurrected Lord. And it's the same way with the early Christians. They capture this reality. They lived boldly, courageously, fearlessly. Why? Because they knew Jesus had conquered death. There was a study done by this man, Dr. Rodney Stark, a sociologist at the University of Washington, He looked at history, and he noticed how Christians during the Roman Empire responded to illness and plagues versus everybody else. Look at what he said. Quote, he said this. The Romans threw people out into the streets at the first symptoms of a disease. But they knew it was contagious, and they were afraid of dying. But... The Christians stayed and nursed the sick. You could only do that if you thought, so what if I die? I have life eternal. Do you see that? That the resurrection of Jesus Christ transformed the way they lived their life. Now, is death real? You bet. Every person in this room is going to taste death one day. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ has transformed the way we view death. Death is no longer the end. It's just the beginning. When I breathe my last breath, I'm gonna start breathing the breath of heaven. I'm, I'm gonna have a promotion. I'm moving from this plane of existence to that plane of existence. I move from being here, present in this body, to absent in this body and present with the Lord. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ does. But listen, Jesus didn't just conquer death. The Bible says because of the resurrection, he is Lord. That means he's Lord over Everything you're afraid of. Jesus is more powerful than whatever you're afraid of. In fact, when you fear, actually what you're doing is this. You're saying, this thing that I fear is more powerful than Jesus. That's what you're saying. But listen, Jesus is more powerful than whatever you're afraid of. Turn to the person next to you and just say, Jesus is more powerful than whatever you're afraid of. Jesus is more powerful than whatever you're afraid of. He is. I remember the very first time that I drove a car. I was real small. I was sitting in my dad's lap. I, um, I know that's illegal today, but back then they could care less, okay? And the fact is, it was, it was down this old, you know, dirt road. Nobody was around. I was sitting in my dad's lap. It was a long road, and um, I was just driving. I could barely look over the wheel, and I was just laughing hysterically. Do you know why? Because I knew that at whatever point that I start veering off and heading toward the ditch, my dad would grab the wheel and hit the brake. You see, I didn't have to be afraid. Why? Because someone bigger and stronger than me was in control of my life. Make sense? That's the way it is with you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me be honest with you. The greatest fear that plagued my life, especially early on, was the fear of rejection. You see, I I wanted people to like me. And uh, so I I was a people pleaser. And I would do whatever I possibly could so that people would like me. And so I would um, talk like my friends talked and dress like my friends dress, and listen to the music that my friends listened to. And you know what? I'd laugh at all their stupid jokes. Why? Because I wanted them to like me and approve me, right? And my greatest fear was that they didn't. You know what? That's really how I started getting involved with alcohol because I thought I was funnier and people liked me more when I was drunk. And so that's why I started getting involved in alcohol. And the fact is, is that in the very back of my mind, there was always this little question. Would I really be liked by these people if they really knew me? If I was just me, would they really like me for who I am? And I had a sneaking suspicion that they wouldn't. Well, during that time, my sister invited me back to church. And I hear the gospel again, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for a sinner like me. Now, I had this thought, wait a minute. God knows everything about me. He knows all my hang-ups, all my flaws, all my mess ups. And yet he loves me so much that he would die for me so that I could be with him. And I had this conclusion, nobody loves me like that. My friends don't love me like that. My girlfriend definitely don't love me like that. My parents don't even love me like that. And I had this thought, Christ, if you know everything about me and still love me like that, I can trust you with my life. And so I surrendered my life to Christ. And I started living for the audience of one. And suddenly all that fear began to disappear. And you know what? I gave up my drugs and alcohol. Why? Because I found a greater high with Jesus Christ as I'm living for him. And you know what? Do I still want you to like me? Yeah. But if you don't, it's okay because he does. Right? (laughs) That's the simple reality. See, whenever you understand that he is present with you and he is more powerful than anything else going on in your life, you don't have to walk in fear anymore. In fact, jot down this final principle. Jot this down. When you fear God, there's nothing to fear. When you fear God, there's nothing to fear. When you're living for the audience of one, he's got it. Whenever you surrendered your life to him, he's got it. He's got you taken care of.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history, and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part, So please stay connected. Be sure to like, and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends again. We appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.